is so not life at all. Help me out, out of this nightmare that I heard her silver talk. Hi, this is Sarah. Hey, this is Maria Isabel. And this is Letters from the Mezzanine Podcast. We've been a little MIA recently. Because we're busy. Yeah, we're mad busy. It's a little sad. But um, we broke our theater dry spell with um, Deaf West's Spring Awakening on Broadway, which was really, really exciting. I was very, very excited. All sorts of excited. I'm just going to keep repeating excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I didn't really know how excited I was to see it until I was waiting for Sarah outside of the theater. And then I remembered, like, well, the last time I really listened even to Spring Awakening was, th- like, five years ago. Maybe more than that. A yeah, more so than that. let's talk about our history with Spring Awakening. Because, I mean, I, I just, like, when I was talking to you about it, I remembered that I actually saw the original three times, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure why, because I didn't love it, um, but it, I mean, but it's, it, I, blah, blah, blah. you got, you, you had a lot of opportunities to see it. Yes, I, I had, like, two free opportunities to see it. One was with, like, my college orientation program, and then another time with a old high school teacher that I had, and then and then I took Murray Spell to see it, um, probably like a student rush kind of thing. But, and that um, was the first time I saw the butt of a man who wasn't my brother. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you know, I remember that night very yeah. well. Well, yeah. No, yeah. Jonathan Graff. Jonathan Graff. And since then, how many times have you seen Jonathan Graff's butt? But not. I've seen it more times. But, but not, in, not person. in person. You know. Sadness. Um, I saw it uh, sometimes on Looking on HBO. Right. Which was a really great show and shouldn't have been canceled. Womp womp. But that's another podcast for another day. Marisol knows this about me. I, I've always been a very wholesome teenager. I didn't really have any problems growing up. You know, I wasn't. I saved all my angst and all my existential crises for my 20s. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh but, um, but, yeah, so I guess, like, around the time that Spring, the original Spring Awakening came out, I didn't, like, strongly identify with mm-hmm. it, even though I did enjoy the music and I did enjoy the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like... I think I was in middle school, maybe. Wow. Something like that. No, I think you were older. I you think, think you I were, was... No. Because no, if no, I was no. in college, and you're three years younger than me, so you're probably in high school. Okay, whatever you say. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like... Yeah, that makes sense. It's, it's something that, watching it now, again, that I really identify with it more, like so much more. Um, what about you? I think... Um, my experience seeing it, seeing this projection was very different from my experience seeing it all those years ago. Um, yes, because of the difference in life experience, age, things like that, but also because of the actual projection itself. This projection had a very different interpretation as to how the songs should be performed and staged. I think the incorporation is a complete understatement, but the use of sign language in the um, in this production and also the double casting of the main characters, having a deaf actor and then a hearing actor slash singer slash musician, 
um, gave the characters a dimensionality that um, that was lacking and also maybe not even possible in the first production. Hmm. Why, production. What do you mean by not possible? Well, because um, there, there's no real reason, I guess, to double cast Vendla or Moritz or mm-hmm. Melchior. Um, because, you know, that's not how the musical was written. Yeah. I, I definitely agree that, like, this production feels so much more mature and so much more artistic. Although the, the original, like, especially when it came out, I mean, that, that set was, I don't know if you remember the set. I remember the like, set. Like, it was so... Dark, minimalist. New. No, no. It and was, it was, it was like, really... It was dark, minimal. Yeah, it, it was those two things, Sarah. No. But they did have chairs on stage for audience members. I remember they that. Had, no, but the, the, the wall was filled with, like, frames and, and lights and, like, really kind of, like, frenetic. It was so energetic and, like, it was so unique. Like it, it was the first time where I was I like, "Wow, this is this is a set that is like copyrighted," you know? Like, yeah, like when people took lights. pictures, like people would take out their cameras and take pictures, and the ushers would tell them to put it away. And I was like, "Yes, that is what you should do because this is like artistic, intellectual property." <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, like, I guess that was like a day that. I, my consciousness evolved or something, but um, but it was it was so beautiful and and also like new and and exciting and um, here you don't you have a different kind of set but still very energetic and very because there's all these different levels right and and the band is all split up. Um, among different levels, there's parts of it that look like a schoolroom and parts of it that look like a kind of like basement cellar thing, um, and and they did a really good job of using that space. Like the characters were constantly going up and down the staircases, right, and like entering through the different levels and um, like positioning themselves in really interesting ways across the stage. I think. It wasn't constantly that they did that. I think they did it when they saw that it would add meaning. Mm-hmm. Well, especially the adults. The, yeah. yeah. And also Moritz's entrance for Don't Do Sadness um, was made a lot him, more yeah. dramatic from him descending from the stage in this like fire escape-like structure that they had with the mm-hmm. stairs and the bars. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty badass. Um, I think that it's going to sound like I didn't like the original production. And I did really like the original production. <laughs> but when I speak about the production we just saw recently, the one that's on Broadway right now, I just love it so much and so much more than the original that it makes it sound like I didn't like the uh, original. Okay. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, that's so fair. I just want to <laughs> put that out there. You know, I love you, Jonathan Groff, <laughs> and I love you, original Spring Awakening. Person, yeah. Pero like this production. Pero like. Uh, so we got a couple of things to talk about. So 
the use of the sign language, which feels like such a stupid thing to start with. American sign language. American sign language. Okay. So, of course, um, the, the cast is made up of various deaf and hearing people. Everything in the script is made accessible to deaf audiences. So either the actors are signing or there are words being projected onto the stage um, for for people to read. But um, but that's only kind of like minimally used. Mostly it's the sign language being used. Um, and it's incorporated into the dancing and the movement and the songs. Um, and we were... There, there's like so much added. I mean, I was talking to one of my co-workers the other day about it and and she was like yeah like don't you just want like sign language and everything now yeah <laughs> like everything should be with sign language um and there there's so many reasons why right like uh during intermission i was thinking of all the musicals i would love to see in sign language really like which ones well, the first thing I thought of was Hamilton, but I think that's because I've been brainwashed by the mainstream media <laughs> to think of nothing but Hamilton. God damn you, 16 minutes. Um, but I think, you know, one of the... I think Jesus Christ Superstar would be super great. How interesting. Um, Judas signing to Jesus. Hmm. Um, <laughs> that would be kick-ass. Um, um, so, yeah. so, yeah, but there's always a danger... I think, like, I, I was a little wary of this production from the beginning because I was scared that they would use deafness and disability as a metaphor for, like, kids with problems, you know? Or, like, um, like kids who, who can't be understood or, like... Whose morality, know. sexuality is aren't, like, fully developed or explored. Yeah, and I think you run yeah. the risk there of, like, exoticizing it or, or like, kind of reinforcing their otherness, right? Like, instead of making it an, inclu an inclusive production, you're kind of singling them out as, like, straying from the norm. And, uh... And so I was a little scared that that's what was going to happen, but I don't think that happened. There were moments in the show where I was like, mm, uh, yeah, maybe like not. But in terms of the, the youth actors who were deaf and the characters they were playing, you know, it was Venla, um, Moritz. Yeah, so I think like there, so if you look at who who's being played by a deaf actor and who's not being played by a deaf actor. You have Venla and Moritz are the two big ones, uh, who are both And compared to Melchior, right. like they're kind of unsure of themselves. Yeah. Like Venla and Moritz have problems expressing themselves. They're kind of like misinformed, miseducated, they're they're naive, they're um they they don't really have a voice of their own yet you know, at this point in their lives. And um, and so, in a way, like, they're being played by deaf actors is, is sort of mimicking their kind of, like, inner struggle, right? Their, their lack of a voice. Making, yeah, putting a parallel that may or may not have been intentional. Mm -hmm. um, and when you were talking to me about this during intermission, I then pointed out that 
there are also adult characters that are played by deaf actors who don't have those struggles. Right. Like Melchior's mother. Yeah, and also like the father of Moritz. Hmm. Um, the headmaster of the school. Hmm. So, so to say that every character who's played by a deaf actor is dealing with, um, like not being able to find their voice or express themselves, is not accurate. All right, but Wait, I, but I just like so if Melchior, Mel, so Melchior is played by a an actor who. Uh, who is not deaf, but he knows sign language, and um, and I worry that that's kind of like you know the the fact that he can do both is is sort of like symbolically or or kind of like subconsciously mm-hmm. showing us that that he is more in charge and and more. So, like self possessed and stuff. Yeah, and his final lyrics um, are basically about him being the one who will tell their story. Mm-hmm. And he's right. literally like the person who can use their voice to tell their story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, but I mean, this is just something. Yeah, that is like an interesting. Uh, complication or, or potentially like how do we how do we get information about these characters through their casting is mm-hmm. is um really important and then the the characters who are uh who are played by deaf actors have like a voice on the sides like a a kind of like musician person <laughs> so so for example like for Moritz you have Moritz the guy that plays Moritz and then you have the get the voice of Moritz, right? Who is, um, and it's really interesting how they're doubled and contrasted. Like um, Moritz is this clean-shaven, like very tidy-looking guy at the beginning. His name is Daniel Durant, and he's also um, dressed in the period clothing. All the all the characters. Yeah, are are dressed in the period clothing, but the voices of the characters who are played by deaf actors are dressed in contemporary clothing, so that's pretty uh-huh. interesting. Uh, yeah, and and I loved I loved uh, the introduction of Morris's voice. So like Morris Boniello. Yeah, who we've I've seen You've in seen. other shows, and I'm just like I've been sort of stalking him a little bit. Um, the <laughs> like virtually. On, yes, the yeah, on the internet. Sorry. Not yeah. in person. All yeah. right. Let's not let's not bring in my personal history in <laughs> my criminal record. Oh my god. It's okay. My smell. It's okay. <laughs> um so yeah, so so Moritz gets in trouble and he's about to sing what is he about to sing? The bitch of living? Bitch of living. And um and his voice kind of like comes in by a silhouette, like uh, with behind, behind the, the blackboard, blackboard, and you just see like this crazy-haired rocker kind of guy, like the shat, like just his silhouette behind the cleaned-up, tidy version of Moritz, and it's really cool. It's almost like a Jekyll and Hyde kind yeah, of yeah, and it's like yes, they are playing the same character, but it shows 
But it, can, it shows different sides of that character, and it also can be interpreted in many ways. Maybe this is... Like, for a moment, I thought maybe this is what Morris would look like, act like, if he were going to school in 2015. If he were allowed mm. to... Or not, not that, like, everyone's allowed to be exactly who they are in 2015, duh. But, um, like, if he weren't repressed by society... Mm-hmm. maybe Moritz would, like, get punk rock hair and wear tight jeans and, yeah. you know. Yeah, well, speaking of that, like, you you picked up on the fact that uh, that the teachers in their school, um, the, the teacher, like, Moritz's teacher makes fun of him for being deaf, right, at mm-hmm. one point, like, and asks him to recite the the Latin, but, of course, he can't recite the Latin and and he gets punished for it and um and it's really like it, it's such a comment on on how students and how people get educated mm-hmm. and, and how they're either pigeonholed into like doing and the teacher something. makes Daniel Duran's character more it's like put his hands on his lips to feel like the movement of the words on his mouth and um that was right and instead of like accommodating him in the director's note in the playbill it says that 11 years before the play was published there was a law that was passed um prohibiting uh, the, the use of sign language and the education of deaf children yeah and so all the deaf children had to use oralism which is basically like lip reading and and like re, uh feeling people's mouths and try to like basically like try to figure act out as, act as much like a hearing person as you can yeah instead of hearing people accommodating the deaf it's the deaf having to like assimilate yeah assimilate and try to figure out how to understand hearing people um so, yeah, so that was, like, and that was so heartbreaking mm-hmm. to and watch. That, yeah, and it was, it's so cool that they were able to interpret the play using, like, the historical context in which it was published so that it can relate to deaf people. So mm-hmm. it can include their history in the play without, like, stretching the the confines of the musical and there were scenes though that were kind of uncomfortable to watch like parts where the deaf actors either in fits of sadness or or rage or something they would yell out and they would um be kind of like hard to understand it didn't make me feel uncomfortable um it's there's this kind of power like it it makes you aware of your own privilege privilege and your own biases and and um there were times that i caught myself thinking like i wonder when the deaf actors will speak and then i you know challenged myself saying they're already speaking just because they're not using their voices doesn't mean they're not saying something to us Mm mm-hmm yeah. Yeah. And the sign language um, and the choices that the choreographer of the show made 
in terms of which signs to use because there are multiple signs for different words. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah, the choice of which sign to use to express what they wanted to express added so much to the understanding of the play. Um, like, one of my favorite parts was when when L- Venla during um, Mama Who Bore Me in the um, beginning of the play uses the sign language for Christ. Mm-hmm. And we, when we talk about Christ or Jesus, we can think about a thousand different things depending on our experience with religion or, you know, what what we think it means. Um, but the specific imagery used of the um, depicting, like, the wounds on his hands mm-hmm. to communicate Christ forces us to look at a specific trait of that word, of that person, which in this case um, is like yeah, his, sacrifice, his, death, his, his sacrifice, sacrifice. Um, the kind of like violence. So we see, so we see what it means to Vendla. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like literally, and yeah, you're like literally seeing what it means. It gives to sometimes Venla. it gives a little less room for interpretation, but and I liked that it made us. It was made so much more specific hmm. and vivid. I would say it it opened up room for interpretation because I feel like it's stuff that you wouldn't even think about by by seeing that. And sign. the sign language also adds humor to things that may not be funny at first, right? Okay. Without the sign language, um, like some of the things that the mother says and the explanation of sex. Oh um, yes, yes, uh huh. And it also makes some of the things that were already humorous. Even more funny, like yeah, like yeah, we'll yeah, we'll aim that you we'll use that silver magic and we'll aim it at the wall. Yeah, the the imagery of the sign language of like a splat against the wall. Yeah, was really funny. It was really spunky. Ew! <laughs> oh, Sarah, Sarah, do you know? Do you know? Okay, do you know why I'm saying spunky? Uh, yeah, spunk. Okay, got it. All right. Sorry. Ha 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 ha. Oh, Marisha, you underestimate me. Yeah, I do oh. underestimate you. You've grown up so much since the first time. <laughs> We're so learned. Um, uh, what else? Other things know. that we want to talk about. Nipples. Nipples? Okay, Sandra May Frank as Venla. I, I hate saying Wenla because I... Took American like German class. Yeah, girl. So Venla, okay. Jeez. It's like when I go to a restaurant and I see guacamole and I want to order guacamole, but then I think everyone's gonna think I'm pretentious if I say it in like the Spanish accent. So sometimes I say guacamole, and then I'm like, wow, I'm betraying my my ancestors. You right are. Now. You are betraying. So I don't do it anymore. Venla. I use the accent. Venla. Nipples. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful nipples. <sighs> She's like, uh, she's like Leah Michelle 3.0, but like even better because, yeah, honestly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> sorry, Leah Michelle, I'm sure, whatever. I'm sure that your glee life has tainted my perceptions of you pre glee, but um, yeah, but shoot, I mean, phenomenal. Acting like everywhere, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Oh, 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 one thing that we wanted to talk about was Ilsa. Like, here in this production, she is sort of like this kind of, like, down-on-her-luck street urchin kind of girl, whereas in the first production, the original, she's more like a bohemian, like, free-spirited, long-haired, you know, flowery dress kind of thing. Um, here, she's played by Krista Rodriguez, and she's kind of, like, and there's no a lot more grungy and nasty and um, and kind of like human down to yes. earth. Yeah, you I know, mean, like in the original production, Elsa appears in like a long white men's dress shirt, holding a like a a branch or, or yeah, like a, like a paintbrush a of, or some shit. No, but no, she, not a paintbrush. No? It was some like um like a piece of a. A brush or something, some nap, some wood and leaves. I don't oh, even know oh, yeah, 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 because she's like picking some kind of shit. Yeah. Uh, but like, yeah, she's um, which makes no sense because then when she talks about her story and like her experience with these bohemian artists, like she's being like mistreated and sexually abused and really like she's had a gun pointed to her and. Um, and when she's talking in the original production, it's like, oh, yeah, this is, like, so much fun. Like, you guys, like, this is what well, being young is all about. Remember. No, I remember. You remember, yeah, I guess. But <laughs> in, in this one, it's like, there's so much more of a cynical edge, and I, I liked it so much more. And also um, the context of her interaction with Moritz is really... Um, different in this production. At least, you know, sometimes I wonder, is it me who's seeing it differently because of, you know, growing up, or is it the production? But, um, but seeing, like, the the sexual advances in a yeah, way that yeah. um, Osa makes on Moritz during such a pivotal moment in the musical. Yeah. I um, didn't even get it. <laughs> like, it I didn't really get it the same time my, around. It really changed my interpretation of the events that right. took place. Yeah, I could have said yes. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, like I could have learned about all the... I could have seen the diagrams oh, yeah. that Melchior made for me in person. Maybe I would have discovered something about my sexuality, Aww. but I didn't say yes. And Aww. it's so, it's so painful. And, and just Krista Rodriguez, the way she delivered the lines was just so much more down to earth and human I feel than um than the original production you know she's awesome yeah, yeah. uh <laughs> alright uh I feel like we should start wrapping up is there anything mm -hmm. else um, we, we did Dublin we did education we did Nipples, we did. Yeah, I think we should cut out the nipples part. <laughs> because we honestly didn't even talk about the part with the nipples that I kind of wanted to talk about. Which was? Which is my own nipples. Oh. <laughs> Every time I see, honestly, like, maybe it's not just her nipples, but nipples in general. Every time I see someone else's nipples, I just wish I had their nipples. Because I'm a, I think I'm a little insecure about my own nipples. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've, I've heard this already. You've heard me talk about my nipples already? Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm a very sensitive person. Okay? No. No. No, no. One knows that about me. 
Um, but I still think it means a lot to me that I almost had to stuff my book bag <laughs> in my mouth in order to to stop my wailing during Spring Awakening. Um, was there a song in particular? Oh my god, it was just oh. so painful. With the ghosts? When the ghosts No, no, no. No, there were multiple times. Yeah. Like, um, when Moritz tells the father about his failure. Oh, yes. Him not passing the semester. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, you know, by the time they and get the to ghost, the ghosts... And then also when the mother finds out that Venla is pregnant. Oh, yes. And Venla, that was a fantastic And then Venla scene. tells the mother, why didn't you tell me everything? And then the mother slaps her. It's so freaking painful. That was and, beautifully And, oh, my done. God, like, during this projection, I thought a lot about current events, all right? Uh-huh. I thought a lot about the defunding of Planned Parenthood, especially, uh-huh. and the fight to have proper sex education in schools. Uh-huh. You know, to be rid of this idea that abstinence is the only thing that should be taught in schools. Right. This denial of human nature. And to think about 2015 while you're watching, you know, Berlin 1891, it's just so disturbing. And, oh, my God, I I was really depressed for a couple hours after Spring Awakening thinking about all of the, the young people around the world who are completely misinformed and denied sex education and how much... It affects their lives because of the fear of the adults mm-hmm. of their yeah. own children having some kind of power or knowledge about their bodies. Marissa, way to end a podcast <laughs> that made up for all of my all of your stumbles and flaws oh my and all the problems with your nipples. Oh my god! So. I'm... <laughs> You see, now you're going to have to edit out a bigger chunk of that than you might have needed to. Who said I'm going to edit out the nipples? Oh, my God. Edit out everything about my nipples. All right. No, I I think that I think we're good. I think think it's good. All right. I think we need to um, inspire and motivate and justify and do all of those big words. Uh, What... Justify what? Inspire um, what? What? People. Thanks everyone for listening to the podcast. Go see Spring Awakening on Broadway. Do whatever you need to do. Sell whatever you need to sell <laughs> to get a ticket, okay? But use protection. And yes, I think it's open for like another 11 or 10 weeks. Mm-hmm. So get to it. It's life-changing. Amen. All right. My life was freaking changed by this musical. Amen. I can't go down the train Hallelujah. platform. Hallelujah. I can't go down the train platform without singing. I don't just end this anymore. Oh, Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>